Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, The Love of God, and this is part four of that series. And this is lesson number 11. And part four of the series, The Love of God, is the compelling power of God's love. And lesson number 11 is the ministry of an ambassador. God is love, therefore, God's ministry is love, of love, is to minister his love to us and through us. This is what God's plan is, to first love us and minister that love to us, and for us then to grow up and mature or become perfected in that love, and then that mature love or perfected love where we have given ourselves to him and we're no longer living for ourselves, that he might minister the word and the, uh, the grace of reconciliation through us. Now, we have talked some, about some very powerful things, some very heavy things to the flesh, but very liberating things to the spirit. Uh, all the, the things that we've just talked about, uh, they can be summed up in this Matthew 11, when he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is what the Lord wants to do in our lives. In order to become and have the ministry of the ambassador flowing through us, this process has to work in and through us. It has to work. This has to work in and through us. And the Lord summed up this, all this that I've been teaching in part four, especially. He summed it all up with those words in Matthew 11, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. That's exactly where people are in this second dimension, where they are now giving themselves to the purpose of Christ, to reach the lost, but they're, and they're doing it as hard as they can for God. But they're laboring, and they're heavy laden. The word laden there in the Hebrew, or excuse me, the Greek, uh, literally speaks of the cargo of a ship. Uh, in nautical uh, architecture, ships are engineered to sit a certain degree in the water. It's called displacement. And there is a water line that's painted on the side of that ship. That's not for decoration. The engineer... The, the nautical or naval architect that designed that ship, his calculation says this is the optimal depth that this hull should go in the water. The water shouldn't be significantly below that line. It shouldn't be significantly above that line. It is the water at that line with the ship loaded enough to get the water to that line that it is most stable in all kind of bad weather. Too much 
weight that get, takes it below that line, the risk capsizing and being swamped and sank. Too little weight, and it sits up too high. And that's when it's especially, uh, with, with, with too much weight, it's, it's risk being swamped, okay, because the water goes over the side and fills up the ship. It, if it's too little weight, it sits too high, and it's unstable because there's too much weight above the water line, and then it will capsize. So God has designed this. If you're carrying too little weight, you risk capsizing. If you're carrying too little, too much of the Lord's weight, you risk being swamped. And he's specifically speaking to these here, those here that are carrying so much of the weight of his responsibility. He says, come unto me all ye that labor. I'm laboring and I'm heavy laden. That's not light laden, that's heavy laden. And so this, these are the people that are, that are in danger of being swamped by life. Swamped by the, the weight of the responsibility to reach the lost and help people go to heaven. And how many times have those of us that are working for God, we live for God and now we're working for God. And how many times have we given everything we can give and that person that we're trying to see saved just walks away. And that happens enough, we get so discouraged, we just, what's the use? Because we're swamped. We're swamped. It doesn't work. I give all this effort and it doesn't work. I'm swamped. And so he says, <laughs> he says, uh, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. There's two Greek words in this text, uh, two different Greek words for the word rest. In the first verse, 28, that word rest there means cessation from all labor. Hebrews 4 says, He that enters in, has entered into the Lord's rest has ceased from his own works as God did from his. And that's why godliness with contentment is great gain. Because it's not just enough to be God toward, have God towardness, but my godliness, my God towardness, coupled with contentment means I've given the whole thing to God. I don't ask for anything. I, I, the word content means it's enough. I don't need any more. Or any less than what I have. What I have, I'm fine with. If God wants to take it or if God wants to give more, that's up to God. But I am content. But those who are laboring or heavy laden, they're not content. They're not content. They are still working. They are doing their own work for God. Instead of ceasing their work and letting God do the work through them. So he promised if I would come to him, if I'm laboring or heavy laden, that he would give me cessation of labor. Take my yoke up on you and learn of me, 
For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Because a lot of times, those that are so driven, they see God as hard and harsh and demanding. And so their fear of God drives them more than their love of God draws them. And so they do this, and they they communicate the same thing to others, to be driven rather than drawn Fear of God drives, but the love of God draws. And some people need to be driven, but others need to be drawn. And and so he said, uh, take my yoke up on you. You've ceased from labor. Now there's another thing to do. Take my yoke. Well, I am going through all this process and... Uh, uh, but I need to come to the place that I cease from labor, being crucified with Christ. And now, now, I take his yoke on me. And we're working now, the Lord and me, in the same yoke with him. We are working. But as is the case, and was the case, you hook an old, powerful, seasoned, experienced ox up with a young, not as strong ox who needs to be taught. And all that new ox needs to do with the old ox is just keep up. If he just keeps up and keeps the yoke from binding, then that old, strong ox will pull the weight. And the Lord said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Because it's in this yoked up relationship with him where I come to the end of myself and I put his yoke on me so that I'm in the yoke with him. That is the place where I am learning of him like I've never known him before. That he is meek. In the Greek word, there's literally gentle and lowly in heart. Thank God that God is humble in the most pure sense of the word, the truest sense of the word. What does that mean? That means in all these years of my struggle and my faults and my failures, and even those times where for a minute, an hour, a day, or whatever, I take control back and need to be restored by the grace of God to being crucified with Christ. He doesn't feel the need in this life to judge me, to strike me with lightning or fry me to a crisp. His patience and long-suffering expressions of his mercy are just absolutely incomprehensible. I don't know how he does it except that he's God. I, I don't have that kind of patience and long-suffering. I don't have even remotely close to that kind of patience long-suffering, except when he is exercising patience and long-suffering through me. If he does it through me, then, hey, I can do that because it's him doing it. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, he said, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy... And my burden is light. (sighs) 
My yoke is easy means it fits well. And it doesn't bind. It doesn't pinch. My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Meaning, the strength of God in this yoke with me is so great that what I am actually doing in submission to him and as his conduit is so infinitesimally small compared to all that's being done that my my contribution is very minimal. I have to make a contribution. I am in the yoke with him. I cannot do this myself. I am in the yoke with him. This, this, this is the ministry of an ambassador. It is a heavy weight of responsibility, except I'm not pulling it. I'm not doing it. It's not me. I'm in the yoke with him. <laughs> But he's doing the pulling. He's providing all the strength. All I have to do is stay yielded and keep up. Now, the yoke kind of is like this. and It fits down over the necks of both oxen, so they're joined together in this. But as you look at that yoke, if one ox is ahead of the other, it twists. Well, the effective opening of that yoke decreases in size no matter which one gets ahead this is the maximum amount of comfort when both oxen walk at the exact same pace then the maximum amount of opening in the yoke is there and so the yoke is comfortable but if the yoke begins to bind that means one has gotten ahead of the other or vice versa and that decreases the opening of the yoke and it begins to bind on the neck of both oxen. All I've got to do in this yoke with him where I'm crucified with Christ, all I've got to do is keep up. I don't start till he starts. I stop when he stops by the grace of God. I don't turn left if he's going straight. I don't go straight if he's turning left or right. I don't go right if he's go going straight. I don't go one way when he's trying to go the other. I take all my signals from him. Start, stop, turn, go slow, go fast, speed up, slow down. It's all from him. He's in the yoke with me. I am in the yoke with him. And I'm learning of him. I'm learning his ways. I'm learning how to yield to him and submit to him while he works. He works, but he's not working without me in the yoke. You see, a yoke, a double yoke with only one oxen in it is very damaging to that ox. You say, well, we can't damage God. No, but we can damage the purpose of God. We can damage the plan of God. We can do damage to the will of God by letting him be in that yoke by himself. And it's almost as bad, but not as bad if we're in the yoke, but we want to lead. We want to determine start, stop, left, right, 
speed up, slow down. We, we want to determine all of that. Well, it doesn't work. He won't cooperate with that. He is senior. We're junior, needless to say. That's very mildly put. He is Lord. We are not. He has actually invited us into his yoke with us. And when we look back at the load we carried, look back at the field that was plowed, we can look at all that work and say, look at all that was done. Yeah. I participated in all that work. All that load was carried. I participated. And my participation was in the yoke. I just took all my direction from him. And as I walked in harmony with him and worked in harmony with him, he did all the lifting. He did all the work. And I got to share in it with him. I'm his ambassador. Not my power, not my authority, but I get to speak the word. I get to speak the word. I get to do the demonstration, but it's not me. I'm just the one in the yoke. I know I'm mixing the allegories here, but still, (laughs) it's true. That's the benefit. That's the privilege. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Isn't it strange he spoke that to his disciples that were already following him? And we know that. <laughs> let, me, let me read to you the previous verses to that. Matthew chapter 11. And uh, uh, let's go back up to uh, verse 25 here. Okay? Verse 25, he said, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent that's revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me. Because when we come unto Jesus, we are coming unto the Father. Because... The man Christ Jesus is the image of God and to wit, 2 Corinthians 5, 19. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. And so these verses make it clear the Lord is speaking about his followers. And it's to his followers. This is, come unto me all you live in heaven later. It's not talking about to sinners. Not talking about sinners and him getting them out of sin. Now, to some degree, in the, in the most... Uh, broadest application of these scriptures it is true that a sinner comes to jesus to get rest from the burden of his sin and all that but in the context here the lord is speaking to his followers he's speaking to those in the first dimension of a burden the first dimension of the work of God, trying to save yourself, being involved to save yourself. He's speaking to those in the second dimension of a burden, those that are working for God, hard for God. And then that leads us to the third dimension of burden. He is speaking to those in the first and the second dimension of the burden, especially those in the second, to move into the third dimension of a burden or third dimension of relationship, which allows the third dimension of ministry to happen through me. First ministry is me doing to save myself. The second ministry is me doing to see others saved. But the third ministry is 
God doing through me for his own glory. And, and, and he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Again, the first Greek word translated rest in verse 28 means cessation of all labor. But very generally, the second word rest, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. That second word rest means cessation of labor in your labor. In other words, you're working, but you're, the work's not you. You're not doing the work. You're involved. You're in the yoke. Notice, in the first time, he said, I'll give you rest. That's addressing the whole person. But when we are laboring with him in the yoke, he is giving us rest for our inner man while we are in the yoke with him so that he can work through us. Our, our, us, we are yoked up with him for the purpose of ministry. That's what happens when you put a conduit or a nozzle on the end of a hose. <laughs> you got the source, that's the faucet, then you got the hose, and then you put some kind of device on the end of that hose to be able to adjust flow and direction of flow and all of that. And we're the conduit. We're the nozzle. We're the ones he flows through, doing what he wants to do, where he wants to do it, how he wants to do it, doing what he wants to say, where he wants to say it, how he wants to say it. Because we're in the yoke with him. We're in the yoke with him. We're in the yoke with him. Now, again, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Light in weight is the literal translation of the word. And the word easy is, uh, it fits well. It's fit well. It's, uh, it's, uh, comfortable. It's manageable. It's not mild. It's pleasant. Or it's mild. It's pleasant. Uh, it is, it's as opposed to being harsh or hard, sharp or bitter. It's not those two things. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice, we have a burden when we're working for God. It's our burden. He wants you to give up your burden for the lost and let him give you his burden for the lost. But he only entrusts his burden, his load. Uh, the word burden means uh Load or it's the, uh, uh, literally the burden, is, load is, a, is the freight or lading of a ship. So those of you that are heavy laden with your load, your burden for the lost, he has a burden that he will load you down with that he will do the carrying for it. He will do it, not you. Not me.
not you, not me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. This is what the Lord wants to do through us, for us, to us. This is what he wants to do. He wants to, he wants to be able to use us. He wants to see the, the lost saved. He wants to see the backslider restored. He wants to see the church edified, edified matured, growing up in him. He wants to see a glorious church. He's coming back after a glorious church. And the word glorious means uh, to be full of his glory. And what is glory? In regards to God and God's glory, it is the self-manifestation, the self-revelation of God. I quoted in earlier lessons, but Second Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 and 21 says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the son, faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. God's grace wants to bring me to the end of myself so that he can do all these things through me. But then, but then, in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it, the scripture says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. And can I say to you, it's not just working in us, but working through us. In that situation, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. What does that mean? What it means is, he wants to manifest himself and reveal himself in and through us, so that he can manifest himself and reveal himself to be in his body, so that the world will know that the Lord Jesus Christ is God the Father, manifest in the flesh, come to save them. That's what he wants the world to know. His agency for doing that on the earth is the church. Some believe in the sovereignty of God in a perverted way. The sovereignty of God is God's going to do what he wants to do because he's God and there's nothing we can do to stop or prevent that. Um, sorry, that doesn't hold water in scripture. I know that in the universe, God is sovereign. And I know that in the millennial kingdom or especially in the eternal kingdom, God is sovereign and no other will would be done but his. But God chose God is the only one that can do this. God chose to limit himself for this period called time where he will not work against the will of man. Now, he does things in the earth that is not a, a question of man's choice. Man doesn't ever choose to have a hurricane. Man never chooses to have an earthquake, a tornado, a fire, a flood, or a famine. Man never chooses to do those things. God allows those things for his purposes. But in the areas that where man must make a choice, 
God never interferes with man's choice. He may encourage you. He may point us in the right direction. He will point us in the right direction. He will tell us the consequences of the right choice and the wrong choice. He'll do all of that. But in this period of time, he wants us to choose to make the decision to let him love us and to choose to love him in return with that love and to also let him love others through us called becoming a conduit, the second greatest commandment. And I cannot obey the second commandment without being crucified with Christ. I can do some things, yes, even when I'm doing them ultimately for myself. There's a lot of people that help those in need so that they can feel good about themselves. If it helps those in need, great. But they want not only to pat themselves on the back, they want others to pat themselves, pat them on the back. And then there are others, they're not doing it anything for themselves, they're doing it for others. They're doing it for others to be saved. Ultimately, they're not really thinking of it, doing it for God's glory. They're doing it for others to be saved. And that's Jesus Christ came to seeking to save the lost. And that's good. That's his mission. But when I'm doing it for God and I'm doing it for them uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm not letting him do it through me, then it's not working the way he wants it to work. Therefore, I begin to labor. Be very, the labor is very tiresome, wearisome, and I am heavily weighted down. And that is not the will of God. It's not the ultimate plan and purpose of God for us. He wants us to bring, to bring us to this place in him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Get in this ministry with me on my terms. We don't frustrate the grace of God by only letting the grace of God help us in the ways that we choose. But we let the grace of God do all the work to us, in us, and through us that he chooses to do. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And Paul said, and I've labored. But it wasn't me laboring. It was the grace of God in me. That's the will of God. That is the will of God. Philippians 2.13 says, It is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So the grace of God works in us in those first and second phases to bring us to the place where we will. And only then does he work through us in that unlimited flow of his spirit through us as his conduit to do his will alone. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that God would use you and use me and that we might do his work and will, that we might be the conduit for his word, that we might be the conduit for his spirit, that we might be the conduit for his authority and his power. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray by the grace of God that you receive this today. Amen. Amen.